Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is Julie Bates with the podcast, Training the Pointing Labrador, episode number 254. And even though this is called Training the Pointing Labrador, it kind of goes in some ways for all canines and then certainly for retrievers. And then on some of these, then we get into the pointing. So it's not just, you don't have to turn away because the pointing retriever, people get sometimes kind of concerned about that. But anyway, I think what I'm going to start doing, I've, I've gotten most of the puppy stuff done because after puppies, you have to kind of noodle through the hard part. Then you start the more formal training. And I have a lot of already podcasts on that. And I thought what I'm going to try to do a little bit of right now is some of the troubleshooting stuff. I've had people say, you should do a podcast on, and it's kind of whatever their problem is <laughs> that they're experiencing. And so what I'm going to do is talk a little bit about troubleshooting with just t citing some examples. I'm not going to name names or dog breed or anything like that, but I'm going to talk about that because I think sometimes that might be useful. Uh, to people. So I'm going to break down maybe one or two problems that people have come to me with and what we did about it, at least to um, throw out some ideas in case you, you're having anything similar. So one person who, who came to me, and <clears throat> this has happened a lot, a number of people have come with this problem. You know, their dog is force-fetched and, and, and probably collar-conditioned and has obedience and loves to retrieve, but what it's doing on marks particularly with birds, but sometimes they're just doing it with whatever is thrown. The dog goes out there, you know, picks up the, the bird or the bumper or whatever, and then comes back and then stops and then sets it down or the kind of goes over to the side. In other words, does something other directly coming back to you. Now, and then so their question always is, usually what I get is they come back and then they kind of readjust the bird and they set it down and then they pick it up and they're just jacking around right there. And so they're wondering about revisiting, you know, hold and force fetch. And I don't know how many times I've seen that. And I always say, well, what is it that they're not doing to you? Um, because I, you need to think about this right. Everyone's all upset about the symptom of the problem. Well, he's setting the bird down. You know, I thought this dog was force fetched, but they're setting it down and they're not bringing it to me and they're not holding on to it. But what are they actually not doing? They are not coming to you. You call them, or certainly you've taught them already, when you go get something, you come straight back to me. So what they're not doing is returning to you. Now, in my opinion, the last thing you want to do is start getting after them while they have a bird or a bumper in their mouth. You don't need to be screaming, fetch and hold. Um, because that just makes them think more about the thing in their mouth. And you don't want to put pressure on the dog while they're carrying something in their mouth, particularly uh, electric collar pressure. I would just ba basically almost always avoid that. There's some things way down the line where that might be appropriate and the dog can, it won't create problems for you. But on a young dog, don't do that. That, that can sometimes, sometimes it's fine, people do it and go, I didn't have any trouble. And other times, but you'll never get the dog to pick up a bird again because they got in a lot of trouble when they were messing with a bird or carrying a bird. So avoid that. Analyze a problem like this from the most fundamental level. And that is, all right, 
I'm unhappy because the dog is running around. They're going behind me. They're setting the bird down. They're not coming back. They have all 20 zillion things in there that the dog is doing or not doing right. When actually what the dog is not doing is returning to you. It is really that simple. All of that stuff will, will go away, assuming your dog is force-fetched, of course. All of that stuff will go away if you communicate to the dog, not where the problem's happening, and I'll, I'll tell you what I told this guy to do, and everyone else that's had this problem. The dog is not taking the hear, whatever command you use, is not taking the hear command seriously. They're not returning. And you can justify all the reasons. Well, that's because they're retrieving, or that's because they're having, a, and you said never use pressure when they have a bird in their mouth, and, and they're running behind me. So I like this one. So I stand up against a wall or a fence. Well, there you go. Now they can't run behind you. Tell you don't have a wall or a fence behind you. So the problem is the dog is not returning directly to you. So what you have to do is take the bird, the bumper, the gun, the retrieve, the fence behind you. Take all of that out of this picture and just address the simple thing that you need to install in that dog's thinking. And that is when I say hear or blow my whistle, you must come directly to me. And if you're carrying something, turn around and sit down. But that's we're not even doing that. When I call you, you must come directly to me. You need to communicate that to the dog in a way that is not earth-shaking, <clears throat> in a way that does not make them hate working with you, in a very simple, clear way. And I'll explain what I've had these people do so that they learn, boy, when I hear that whistle, I need to get back there. Not out of fear, not out of any of that stuff, right? But out of, ah, I was taught, boy, when they call me, I got to come. So the best way, the way that I found to do that, that's easiest, well, easiest on me, but that's not really the point. Easiest on the dog, too. It's in a, in a, in a context that they enjoy. So, again, the dog has to have obedience. If your dog doesn't really know what here means, get that first on a leash and a choke chain, right? And make sure that when they are four feet in front of you and you say here, they come directly to you. You don't have to make them do it. You don't have to ask them to do it. Beg, wait for them to respond. They understand, geez, I need to get in there, come right to you. And either sit in front of you or heel to the side, whatever it is, both, either one. Give them a conclusion to hear always. Otherwise, here is kind of an open-ended thing. If you say here and they come close to you, I mean, okay, they have no reason to think that's not okay. A lot of the flybys are because you've never given them a conclusion to a here. So on your very basic obedience with the leash and the joke chain and their four feet in front of you, you'd call them here. You can have them sit directly in front of you. You can have them heel over to the side and sit down. So the conclusion to here is always to come directly back to you and wait to be told where they're going to sit down. So make sure you have that taught clearly. Give a conclusion to hear always. Because every time I ask people, so what does hear mean? Oh, they come to me. And then what? And then they're like, um, <laughs> it's like, right, that's exactly what your dog is doing. So when you call them to you, they, they must have a conclusion to it. They must sit somewhere that you have described and then remain seated. So teach that. It, take the time. If it takes a week, 
<laughs> take a week. Make sure that that's clear. On a leash, close in. Never let them do the wrong thing. Don't not have them on a leash and call them, and they get kind of close, and then they go sniff the caterpillar over there. They don't have them on a leash so that when you call them, they come to you, they get into position, and they sit down. That it is crystal clear to the dog. That very simple thing. It may be boring to do for you, but that really doesn't matter. What we want to do is have that dog absolutely clear on what that means when you say here or your whistle. And after you do it with the verbal close in, switch that whistle in there. Make sure you got the whistle too. Because the whistle can be heard at greater distances. You don't have to scream to do the verbal. So make sure you've got both of them and they understand that. Okay. Then the dog does need to be collar conditioned. So if your dog is not collar conditioned, don't start on getting after him right here. So do a full, and I have a podcast on that. Make sure, and it's Make sure that it's associated with here and sit and that it is an enforcement, not a punishment. It isn't even really a correction. The net result is what we would call a correction, but the actual usage of the collar is an enforcement of something that they have been taught and clearly understand. So assuming the collar conditioning has been done that way, not like it. I was being told by some pointer people that, how they, they, when the dog goes too far or chases a bird in the upland field, then they buzzer, and if the buzzer doesn't make the dog change its behavior, then they hold down the collar. So the dog has to figure out, holy cow, this really hurts while I'm chasing it. I think I'll stop chasing it. I, I would never in a billion years collar condition a dog that way because um, that's just, ow, it hurts. Stop, stop. And they have to figure out what the behavior is that makes the pressure stop. I never want them to have to figure it out. I'll make sure they know exactly. That way I don't have to use very much. And it's very powerful. And it, you know, some dogs can take a, a lot of that misunderstood pressure. And you teach them to ignore you. So that's something else, you know, you might want to avoid. So the dog is collar conditioned correctly. And you have shown them what here means. And so that it now becomes reliable. You don't have to jerk on the leash. You don't have to do too much enforcement because they are working hard to respond to you to avoid your enforcement of the jerk on the leash. That part has to be built in there. You don't just call them and wait for them to get up and come to you. You call them and then enforce that with a, with some enforcement, a jerk on the leash that is at a level that they don't want to keep experiencing. So you get them to work to come to you when you call. All right. And then if you want close in there, if you're, if you have collar conditioned your dog correctly, or when you are doing that, you replace that significant jerk on the chain, not a lug, not a tug, not a drag them in. It is a jerk. So they wish to avoid it and avoid it by responding to what you ask them to do. You can replace that with a, a nick on the collar that they also wish to avoid, just like the jerk on the leash, they are the same. And so by responding to you, they control the pressure and they come run right to you. So do that on your leash too. And it, you start at four feet, get it 10 feet, whatever, but get them where when you say the word or blow the whistle, they are, they are very concerned about getting into you, and they can control all the pressure by responding. So now, we haven't fixed any of your retrieving bird dropping problems yet. Now when you go out into the field, uh, you go out on a walk, go out into a, um, 
you know, if you don't have anything else, I guess a soccer field's okay, but a, a nice green belt or big field, you know, some kind of natural environment, somewhere where they'd be doing a, a retrieve or an upland hunt. But take them out there and just, you're on a walk. They got the collar on, you get your whistle, no no leash, nothing. You guys are out there walking and they're, it's nice and they're relaxed. After you've been doing a bunch of obedience, they tend to stay close to you. So don't get mad at them for that because then they just can't win <laughs> no matter what. So just relax, go out in the field, uh, walk. When they're over there sniffing some, you know, dead magpie that's over there, call them with the whistle and enforce it if they don't instantly respond. Have them come all the way to you and get into the front seated position or the healing seated position. Have them sit there, absorb that the response they just gave you. Tell them, good dog, take off again, release them. All right? And when you go out and do this, if you went out on a 10 or 15 minute walk, do it maybe three times, maybe. And what you want to do, and you don't get them with the enforcement pressure every time. You go go out there and, and again, let them while their mind is off of behaving and being with you and they're sniffing some interesting thing or looking where a rabbit was, and their mind is off of you and things, and then blow your, your hear whistle and watch the response. If the response is, well, okay, I think I better go. Okay, that's not good enough. Blow your hear whistle again and enforce at a level that the dog does not want to really experience. Do not blow their minds on this, but just one that they're worked to avoid and have them come back to you again. Heal them and sit and then let them know, good dog. And if you do this for, I don't know, two or three different days, I, you, you'll get where if they hear you picking up your lanyard, if it makes noise, this <laughs> just start coming running to you. Okay, that's actually, that's great. They want to avoid the pressure, and hear means a lot to them. And you've done it without retrieving. There's nothing in their mouth. They're doing something relaxed and enjoying it. All you're doing is saying, hey, when you hear this whistle, bud, you got to come in here and give them the completion and heal and sit down. So now, when you've, as soon as you do that, they consistently, you don't have to ever enforce it again, right? They are busting back to come back to you. Do not go out and do it a dozen times. Do not use the collar every time you call them. Because if they are responding and, and taking it very seriously about getting back to you, there should never be any pressure. We're just trying to teach them there'll be no pressure. You just always beat it right back to me. That's the good thing. So you have to watch and see. Don't just make this an electric collar deal. And don't throw stuff. Don't get the retrieving. Don't get the thing in their mouth. Because that's where you could start to cause some problems. So when you go out and you do blow your sit whistle... Uh, your hear whistle, and your dog just consistently comes running in and sits down and make sure you praise them. You know, not over excessive because that's like an apology, but just say, good dog, man, that's exactly what we want. When they'll do that consistently for you, and I'd give that a week or so, you know, of doing it, I don't, every other day, something like that. You don't want to just grind this on there and then go back and do your retrieves. And before they do anything wrong, and this is really important, folks, before they do anything wrong, blow your sit whistle before they start to slow down or do something else. And watch what they're going to do exactly what they did out in the field when you were just doing it relaxed. They're going to come running into you. 
Now they're thinking about coming to you, not thinking about, well, oh, this bird's heavy. I set it down. What's that? They're not thinking any of that stuff. They're just thinking about getting back to you. And so assuming that they have been taught force fetching all that correctly, they're going to not set it down, not stop, not do a flyby. They're going to come right to you and sit down. And we're not going to get any mouth problems and any bird-related problems or retrieval-related problems with misunderstood pressure. So address that simple problem in a simple, methodical way like that, and it will go away and it will not create any behavior problems or mouth problems with your dog. Okay, it really is that simple, and I've never had it not work, ever. But I make, break it down very simply and methodically, and I don't rush it. And I make sure the dog is clear. So do that. The next problem that I'm going to go over is, uh, it's, we're going to go back to a, maybe a younger dog problem, but certainly any, uh, especially these hunting dogs, you know, they're very, <laughs> very enthusiastic about everything, right? So people give that to be an excuse for ha putting one of, uh, a dog on a leash and then having it pull everywhere or always pull ahead. Basically, pulling on a leash, define it any way you want. And again, when people start telling me about their problem, I get great detail about where the dog is committing this thing that they don't like and all the conditions and then another place where it happens. And it's like I'm just hearing the same thing over and over again. And that is when the dog's on a leash, it's on a leash and it still tries to do whatever it wants. That's pretty much what it is. And, and then what I'll hear is, oh, no, if we're, go if we're walking from the house out to the field, oh, the dog is wonderful. And then as soon as, and then fill in the blank, something happens, then the dog starts pulling or they, then they ignore me. <laughs> so you have a problem of a dog that's doing what it wants on the leash um, and not what you want. So how do you fix that? Now, on a little teeny tiny, tiny guy, you know, we're not going to be doing a lot of leash jerk and stuff. And I mean on a 12-week-old dog or, you know, even 16 weeks. But after that, we need to start getting in from that, assuming they're physically capable of, of having a, and, and not a big flat collar. A big flat collar turns everything into a, a tug-of-war. So no matter what you do, a jerk on a, on a tug-of-war thing is not like a jerk on a, a choke chain. And I like choke chains, and I've never heard a dog in my entire life, and I've used them since I was a little kid because they need to be uh, put on correctly and installed correctly. I do not use a pinch collar. However, maybe when I'm 80, I might have to do that because I won't be strong enough. So if somebody has some real issues on being able to get enough of an impulse on the leash, then you can go to the pain-enforcing prong collar. Um, and there is a place for that. And I used to say there wasn't, but I understand a little bit better now. But for me, it's a choke chain. And it's a, so, and the, it's, I think it's better with the larger links on it. And just, it's, again, it's an impulse. It is an impulse. It is not a lug, a drag, a choke. In uh, a choke chain sounds bad because you use the word choke. You do not choke them with it. Um, it is just an impulse very quickly that they wish to avoid so they begin to take you seriously and try to respond to what you're asking instead of doing whatever they want. That's the purpose of that. But here's what, so I'll, I'll get past that part. When you have a dog that is pulling on the leash, that is a taught behavior. 
Now, whenever I tell people, you taught your dog to do that, I get the look, right? I just don't understand. No, they didn't. It's the way the dog is. <laughs> so how do we get the dog not to be the way it is? Like, no, you taught it to do that. As they're standing there talking to me, as their dog is pulling their arm all over the place and just pulling to reach this and that, you know, and, I, and it's just like you're, they're pulling right now and you're letting them do it. Well, we're not doing obedience right now. I said, no, you're pulling right now and you're letting them do it. That makes pulling okay. Because you differentiate standing here and talking to me and letting your dog rip your arm off between, okay, now I'm going to do obedience. The dog kind of just deals with what it's got. You know, it's like I'm on the leash. I can pull right now. No, he's not going to let me pull right now. So I just always look for that option if I can pull. And I'll say remove that option remove the option if when you're going on a walk out in the field which i hope everybody with young dogs does that's not on a leash that is not on a leash they are free and loose when you are doing obedience or even walking into the vet or over to aunt betty's that's obedience don't get it all mixed together where sometimes i let you get away with stuff and sometimes i don't because that opens the door to, yeah, I can't do whatever you want unless I raise my decibel level. Then you better start paying attention to me. That's all taught behavior. So if you want a dog to walk on a leash with you, the first thing you have to get in your mind is, I need to have this dog do what I want it to do. That's how I teach it. If you, and people, if you don't get anything else that I say in this entire thing, get this. If you are constantly responding to your dog's misbehavior, you are not teaching a thing. The way to teach these dogs is not to be responding to their pulling and, and always letting, in other words, they're making all the choices and you're responding. Let's switch that balance of power. Let's have you make all the choices and they be responding. So in your mind, as you begin this, you have to be very clear on that. All right, I am going to have this dog that I am teaching my basic obedience. I am going to have this dog do what I want and then learn how to do that. So we're going to just start with this simple obedience right here, healing and sitting. And again, so what does healing mean to you? What does heal mean? Heal if you're teaching. Now, you can think whatever you want about it. But for a dog who does not think the way you do, that does not absorb your thought and then just do what it is you think they should do, heal should mean, in my opinion, be at my whatever, right or left side. Be at, and for me, left side. Be at my left side. That's what heal means. Period. That's it. Done. No more definition. Heal means be at my left side. Therefore, if I'm walking forward, walk with me at my left side. If I am um, six feet in front of you and I say heel, I want you to walk up to my left side and sit down. If I am turning circles, I want you to be at my left side. If I am walking backwards, I want you to be at my left side. That's what it means. Teach them that. We have, I see that people, people use heel back. Uh, they have all kind of verbiage for where a dog is in position because that's how their mind thinks that's not how dogs think they don't do a lot of verbiage particularly kind of nuanced gray area verbiage 
in general, especially when they're all excited about guns and birds, right? So have it be at your left side and then teach this dog. When I say heel, that's where you will be. Now you have a leash and a choke chain. You have total ability to make sure that that dog is there. You know, it, it, you do. You have total ability to make sure they're there. So you're saying, okay, we're going to just heel and sit. That's all we're going to do. We're in the backyard or in the soccer field or something. And we're going to do heel and sit. So you tell them what you want. Heel. You start walking. You have the leash and choke chain. You make sure that they walk. And then when you say sit, you make sure that bottom goes down. They don't flare out and get lovingly looking at you in the face going, why are you doing this? Let's go have fun. Okay. When you sit and say sit, they have to sit down. Once I've taught a dog what sit is, I like to enforce it. And I use a little plastic wiffle bat thing. You can't hurt them and it doesn't, you know, and I just pop that. I do something without my hand because you teach with your hand. And then you got to take the personal touch away because they like that. And they'll make you keep touching them. So once I know they know what sit is, I bring some other, you know, piece of of instrument, a plastic bat or a healing stick or a shoot, I'll go pick a stick off a tree. I've used that a zillion times to show people here. Let me just get this, and we're gonna we're going to pop their bottom at whatever level they go. Whoa, I'm sitting, all right. So it's not a whale. It's it's just a pop on the bottom and say, okay. When I say sit, you sit. When I say heel, you're at my left side, and just a little people like tricks. A little trick on that is when they get sit is a very static thing stop quit moving drop your bottom it's a very static thing so when you enforce the sit because it's such a big deal and it's not a movement thing and it's very easy to enforce and control you make the healing and that stuff better so a lot of times when I have dogs that are real difficult on the healing and they're like wanting to rear up or they'd like to put their front legs uh, front legs around yours you know like oh you don't love me anymore and other manipulative things like that you taught them that kind of stuff you know if I you get after them on sit that stuff gets way better because now they're thinking about dropping their bottom instead of jumping on you flaring off getting behind you going between your legs and other things of insecurity that sit is a powerful deal to make that other stuff go away because we are changing their thinking from oh my god I'm so worried I don't know what this is to oh I better sit so that's how you can solve a lot of problems but the clarity has to be in your mind heal is be at my side sit is drop your bottom there are no degrees on this it is just absolute sit or be with me at my left side and with the leash and your stick, you can make sure that they do that. Now, don't let the neighbors watch this. Because if people don't understand it, you, this will look like you're being so mean. So, you know, do it in the backyard or early Sunday morning in the park or whatever. But just take, if you teach that right then, and then every time you're on the leash, you hold that standard of behavior, that's all they know. And sometimes when you let them be the big pull monsters, it takes a little bit of work to change their thinking because that's what you're doing. You've taught them to not think about you at all and just exert their will. And now we're teaching them, no, don't exert your will. You need to think about what I'm asking you. So that's the thinking change that's going on. And so you need to understand that's what it is. And if they have difficulty changing their thinking, which is what people call stubborn, if they have that, 
then you've got to work harder. You've got to do more work. You may have to use a little more enforcement so that they do take you seriously. The dog decides the level of pressure and enforcement, not you. It's the one to which they respond. That's what you use on everything. And you just have to let them know. I, you know, I let you think that and I apologize. Don't apologize for now teaching them to be well-mannered dogs because that's what saves their lives. So, and also makes people not hate having them around. <laughs> so good. Everybody loves a good citizen dog. So that's really a good way to do that. So that's two uh, major problems that a lot of people encounter with two very simple solutions, both actually very similar, close to the same. And that is we're changing their thinking from doing their own self-willed thing to know you've got to stop and think about what I'm saying. And when you do that, it's a lot of fun and we work together. And it's, it's actually more fun than you and two fighting over the tug of war on the leash or get that bird back to me somehow. You don't, that just takes it away. It's like, no, man, we don't fight about this. I'm going to show you how this works. And then we're going to be a great team and you get to do what you love and I get to do what I love. But if you're always responding, look, the dog's doing that. What do I do? Power, the, the, we got to shift the power there from the dog back to you. The dog isn't going to suddenly start doing the right thing. What they're doing is what you've taught them or what you've allowed and you haven't gone in there and taught well enough what it is you exactly want. So that's what both of these things are. So that's today's half hour um, on some problem solving things. I'll do some more on some of these things. It's always way simpler than people think and so it's boring because I don't have like the cool tricks that <laughs> super secret pro tricks that you do and nobody's looking. It's like that's like, nah, there's no there's no such thing as that. It's always comes back to fundamentals. And the fundamentals are always worth taking the time for. And a lot of times just I know people don't really know what to do. I mean, okay, I get fundamentals. What are they? How do I do that stuff? And leash work and pop bottoms on this with the stick work is is uh, it, it helps to see it um, a lot of times uh, see it done and you go okay I get it it's hard to just figure out in your mind but anyway don't let somebody use a lot of electricity to solve these behavior problems because usually it's they haven't they haven't been taught the fundamentals and that's where you have to start so that's today's. Hot summer. I hope everybody's staying safe and healthy and not too hot or not too flooded out. And uh, I'll be back next week with, I hope, maybe another problem-solving thing.